0: What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. We take a deep dive into the shocking metrics surrounding BYU men's
1: basketball and make predictions for year one in the Big 12 with CBS Sports' John Rothstein. On the next episode, head coach Mark Pope will join us to preview BYU's Big 12 opener against Cincinnati.
0: Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for
1: BYUSN here on BYU Radio, baby.
0: Next on BYUSN, T-minus two days to the BYU Men's Basketball Big 12 opener against Cincinnati. How do these shocking metrics after non-conference play impact where we expect the Cougars to finish in year one of the Big 12? Plus, CBS Sports' John Rothstein will join us as well and discuss if he is keeping the faith in Mark Pope
1: and BYU to carry their success into the NCAA tournament. Connor Pay is in studio. Why he decided to return to play on the offensive line and what role T.J. Woods played in that. Plus, two Cougars are headed to the Pro Bowl, and the latest on Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. Welcome
0: to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, January 4th. I am Spencer Linton,
1: alongside a fan of wild buzzer beater shots, Jerem Jordan. Last night was wild, so obviously Amari Whiting hits this uh, you know, half-court shot in the third quarter, <laughs> which was pretty cool, you're, you're calling this game. And that was one of the few shots the BYU hit. Uh, last night it was a tough shooting night Rough Heck of a shot I worked for the Pistons last night Crazy game with the Jazz Most points scored by the Jazz in the Delta Center ever Overtime game Final 32 seconds Both teams traded two threes Including oh, a yeah. buzzer beater to send it to OT by Alec Burks Former Jazz man it was uh, it was a wild night of great shots, man. Let's go, buzzer beaters for the
0: win. And will we see any big time buzzer beaters in the Big Twelve? At some point,
1: you would think there will think be there will be a there's going to be something there, will there be right? A game decided by a buzzer beater, at least, right?
0: Let's hope it's uh, not of the of a dagger type. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that was, I mean, name the other ones that opponents have had. It's like Kevin Nixon and yes. uh, Della Vadova. Like, those are the two iconic. T.J. Haas was like, not three-quarter court buzzer. plus, or sorry, well, half-court plus kind of shots. Right? Yeah,
0: T.J. You know. Haas had his Houston buzzer
1: beater. Not half-court plus, plus but is what I'm but saying. No. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, may, just maybe there's something special like that yeah. in Big 12 play I this mean, year. I mean,
1: Noah Hartsock had the buzzer beater in 2011. It's been a minute, but yeah. There buzzer beater. Let's go. Good energy for today's show.
0: It is a huge show featuring CBS Sports John Rothstein and a bunch of shocking metrics. With that said, I'll rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968, 12th-ranked BYU men's basketball. Let's just let that sink in for a moment, shall we? Yeah. 12th-ranked BYU men's basketball. Ties the high on the Pope here. Wild. Just two days away from their Big 12 opener against Cincinnati, and the 12-1 Cougars have <laughs> certainly exceeded expectations here in Studio B. Oh, this is exactly what we <laughs> thought. <Smith. laughs> what what, are, what are, are you talking Cincinnati? about? But they obviously face the biggest challenge, arguably, in the history of BYU men's basketball, that of competing in the Big 12 Conference. Unbelievable Bring task it on. ahead, beginning with the Bearcats. Let's just go ahead and take a gander at some of the numbers and metrics that are saying certain things about BYU, shall yep. we? And yep. then discuss how that impacts our predictions for BYU in Big 12 play. So, if you haven't heard, ESPN's Basketball Power Index currently <laughs> – Gives BYU the second best chance to win the Big 12. To win the conference. Blue goggle alert. Yeah. Blue goggle alert. Well then. Blue goggle alert. 10.8%. Goggle alert. That's over Kansas and Baylor and Iowa State trailing only Houston. Houston has been otherworldly good in their metrics. Their defense is real.
1: Oh, yeah. they're final four good.
0: 87.1% chance for the other Cougars from Houston. But, Jerem. Second in the Big 12. Are you kidding me? Okay. Okay. It also projects BOA's record in conference to be essentially 12-6, and six, as they say they will finish second. I'd take that. The 14 <laughs> toughest remaining schedules, also according to the Basketball Power Index, across the entire country. So the 14 toughest schedules in the country are all Big 12 teams. Of course they are. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> of those 14 teams, interestingly enough, BYU apparently has the weakest of those 14 Big 12 schedules. So, BYU's schedule falls all the way BYU, to 14th uh, toughest not in the as, country.
1: Not as hard as the Spence. Just the 14th toughest in these United States. Wild.
0: Okay, so it's one thing to say, all right, ESPN clearly likes BYU, but it's not just ESPN. We've discussed at length on this program that it's all over. It's the net. It's specifically Ken Palm who predicts that BYU, according to his numbers, if they continue this
1: Way that they're playing will go thirteen and five. Thirteen and five. Big twelve. Really is gonna be a three seed. That's Lenardi <laughs> I, right I, now. That's be what better. he's feeling.
0: Thirteen and five won the Big Twelve regular season last year for Kansas.
1: You know what? Jayhawks, we're coming for you. That
0: would be twenty-five and six overall. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And second in Two the seed. league behind only Houston in Ken Pomp. Okay, yeah. so with all those wild numbers in mind. Those are excessive. What the heck do you expect BYU to do in the Big Twelve when the actual games begin?
1: Yeah, I, it, I, I think I think realistically, realistically, given everything that's uh, happened and how tough the Big Twelve is going to be, I'm thinking that BYU can go ten and eight. Okay, a game above five hundred, uh, that puts you in a position where uh, you're going to be in the top half of the league. You're going to be a single digit seed for sure. I would think that'd be a four or five or six or whatever seed. Um, you're getting the 22, 23 plus wins, right? Depending on how you do in Kansas City at the tourney, I believe BYU will go six and three at home, four and six on the road. Okay. I can't tell you exactly what wins and what losses. I'm thinking at Baylor's tough, Houston at home's tough, at Oklahoma, at Kansas State, at Kansas. Those are the five that kind of stick out of like, okay, those are probably your top five toughest games on the schedule, plus three others. But if BYU goes 10 and eight, let's go, man. Let's go. Like I would take. I would still take even as well as BYU has played, nine and nine right now. And it'd be like, whoa, you go from twelve and one to five hundred. It's like, well, we all know the Big Twelve's tough. That means you got nine quad one or two probably wins. Let's say at West Virginia might, you know, or uh, UCF at home might be like a quad three if they struggle or sure. whatever. Probably a quad two. Ten and eight, nine and nine, something in there. Let's go. Because that means you, you would be like a six seed. Like, you would be in a great position. If, even if you're not 10-8, and eight, you're 9-9. Nine nine. Oh, my gosh. 21 wins going into Kansas City. Let's get a win there. Maybe two. Who knows? And uh, you're in a great position. So, given – this is so different from what we've done before. We've been like, oh, you got to beat Gonzaga-St. Mary's. Don't lose to anybody else. No, this is like, just figure out a way to go 500-ish. Yeah, where is like, the potential bad loss for BYU
0: on the schedule outside of home to UCF?
1: Yeah. There's uh, not
0: another, like, even a potential
1: what's Oklahoma, at a bad loss. What's Oklahoma State at the moment? Um, you know, that, that one sticks out a little bit. But, yeah, no, these are good teams, dude. Like, Oklahoma State's 129. So that's a quad two on the road. At home, that would be quad three. Okay. At the moment, they're going to go up in that. Because they're about to play one of the top 14 toughest schedules. Yes. Now, you do like, in the end, you remember how football is like, oh, strong start, tough finish. BYU, as of now, of all the Big 12 teams, yes, fourteenth toughest in the country. I'm not, you know, not acknowledging that. But it is a little easier all things considered because they got UCF (laughs) a couple of times, You got Oklahoma State a couple of times. Like, some of the more winnable things, you don't have Kansas twice. You don't have Houston twice. twice. Like, that is nice. You don't have Texas twice. You don't have Texas twice. Um, so that, that's good. I like how, as of now, Does things BYU can have change. have Oklahoma twice? I think just the one, once. right? And Oklahoma's been amazing this year. Oklahoma's been pretty good. They're 29 and net. They're ranked. So, yeah, just once with Oklahoma. How it shakes out as of now, things can change. It's January 4th. We really should be concerned about March uh Tenth, yes. right? Once we know what happened in, in play, but in Big Twelve play, completely. But I like how it's looking so far, and I would take ninety nine right now. I would like to remind everyone, and I did this yesterday, but again, if
0: you missed it, let's let's go ahead and just rewind a couple of months before BYU took on Houston Christian, and you and I sat here and thought, okay, if BYU could win six conference games, yeah, that we're would, for that six would be 12. incredible. Yeah. yeah, six and twelve, like nothing to hang your head about with that my expectations have bumped up three games. Like I expect BYU to go nine and nine, the potential to have a winning record in the big 12 is clearly there. If they can piece together what they've been doing consistently for 13 games, with this style of play, I, I, I know the competition is going to get super tough. Like it's, it's going to take a huge uptick night in and night out, but why would that drastically change the way that BYU plays? Like, BYU's good players aren't going to go away all of a sudden. Their home court advantage is not going to go away. They took care of business against a tournament team in San Diego State at home. Why would they not do that against good teams like San Diego State more often than not on their home floor? So I'm with you. I expect BYU to go 6-3 at the Marriott Center, maybe 7-2. What about at the Marriott Center? How are they going to play there? Yeah, I don't know. That place is a little weird. Okay. But the Marriott Center, I expect BYU to win at least six games, yeah, and maybe seven and two. Like protecting your home court is everything, especially in this conference. Do you want to make the NCAA tournament? I think BYU can steal three games on the road. You think they might get four, and that's what would put them over the top and give them a winning record. Is can yeah, that's you the win difference. I think from one home. more road game. But nine and nine is my expectation, which is plus 3 or 4 wins from where we were just a couple of months ago
1: our expectations should change based on how
0: yes, yes they
1: should if they don't what are we doing but
0: 9 and 9 would you got to live in the moment you're in a little bit going into the Big 12 tournament if BYU went 9 and 9 in league play in the regular season they would be 21 and 10 going to Kansas City like 9 and 9 in my opinion because the league is so tough would give BYU a 5 or a 6 seed going into whatever they do in Kansas. If they win a game in Kansas City, awesome. Then lock them in, baby. Lock them in as a six seed and a favorite in a first-round game.
1: You'd probably need one more win to help you out there. But if not, it doesn't really matter. There's not – here's the thing with 31 regular season games and one to four whatever Big 12 tournament games, which, by the way, we haven't seen officially how that bracket's going to shape out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like if you're the 11 through 14 teams, you're showing up on like Tuesday or something and then hoping you can win a game or two or whatever. Um, those teams are the ones that are going to be like NIT-ish. Um, so we'll see. But the, the 31 games, one game does not make a huge difference in what seed you're going to have. It, like rarely does that one final win push you over the top of something. Now if BYU was in the quarters and suddenly they pulled off an upset over like a Kansas uh, or Houston or something to get to the semis. Now, maybe that helps you go sure. from a 6 to you 5 jump, or 5 to 4, line. perhaps, at the very end. But there, there won't be – the thing that we will love the most about the Big 12 is there's no bad losses. And yes. that even – even with BYU being number two in net. Like, if, you, if BYU goes to number 167 in net, West Virginia and loses – we will be disappointed, and it will be a quad uh, you know, three barely maybe or
0: whatever. But guess what? Raekwon Battle but, and a couple of other players automatically make West Virginia like a way better team. They're, they're w- about to win some games and not be a quad three game anymore.
1: Yes. Is, there's no such thing as a bad quad one or two loss. There are quad three and quad four bad losses, but they don't really exist here. Pepperdine losing there. Pacific losing there. We will not have this ever again. Like, it is awesome. Now, next year when Arizona State comes in, and if they're a quad three or something, who knows. But it's still Arizona State. It's like a name. There's a certain amount of pride associated with it. Sure. You don't lose to one of those guys. Which, by the way, would BYU have won the WCC this year? Maybe,
0: because Gonzaga is and not Saint nearly Italy what struggled. they have been. And St. Oh, Mary's has struggled. Oh,
1: somebody yeah. misses the ex-girlfriend. They are not on the rebound. <laughs> they are struggling. BYU moves to, to one other neighborhood, and now the neighborhood parties suck. BYU, uh, I think, <laughs> where will BYU finish in the Big 12 standings? You mentioned um, fifth or sixth, do you think? You go nine, nine and nine, I think it's like tied for sixth. It's, it's going to be I, a big jumble. Right? I had sixth. Maybe it's seven. Um, just around there. I, it's not really about where BYU finishes in the league. It's about what the resume looks like. What is the net? How many quad one and quad two wins and losses do you have? Guess what? The wins over San Diego State
0: about. and NC State, they appear to be ready to carry over. NC carry State beat Notre Dame with yes. .1
1: seconds left. San Diego State just night.
0: embarrassed Gonzaga in Spokane. Yeah. Right?
1: Like those those, those, those are
0: wins, wins are going to be quality wins. Those teams were real, and BYU beat them head-to-head. And they Arizona were, State,
1: frankly, is getting a little bit better as well. They were real, and they were spectacular. I expect BYU to play well in the Big 12. Well looks like 500-ish. Like, if BYU is 8-10, that was eight quad one or quad two yeah, wins. Yeah, yes. Like, like, BYU has gotten into the tournament, like, barely on, like, three or four. We're talking about BYU potentially having eight, nine, or ten quad one, quad two type wins. That is, uh, that is a great number, and it's, a, it's, it's nice to be in a place where you don't have the pressure of having to go, like, 14-2 and two in league or whatever. Yes. Now BYU can go 500 and have a ton of quality.
0: BYU is going to, with the backing of one of the best home crowds and floors oh in the gosh. entire country. It's going to be so fun. They're going to win some eye-popping games. They're going to beat a Texas. They might even a beat A Baylor Houston at home. Or a Baylor. Like, do not count BYU out ever. Even against the great Houston right now. On the Cougars' home floor. Look, BYU's home given, games
1: only. What, what are the losses? Home games only. Iowa State's going to be a tough game. Houston is your toughest home game of the season.
0: BYU's given an 81% chance to beat Texas in Provo. How about that? According to ESPN's Basketball Power. Kansas index.
1: State and Texas at home. Those are tough games. UCF, you've got to win that one at home. At Kansas, if you told Baylor me, at home. BYU's got a 40% chance to
0: win At Kansas.
1: <laughs> wow. That yeah, that that one's the most shocking. It's lower at Iowa State. Why is that? What in the world? Look at that number. That's weird.
0: Again, because BYU has been so efficient and so consistent and the rebounding margin has been so good and the assist to turnover ratio and the balance, the way they're sharing the basketball, yeah. the way
1: they're shooting the three. BYU's going to miss some threes and not win some games and they're going to get out-athleticismed by some NBA guys here and there. That's not the issue. It's can you win enough? And can BYU win half the games in league play? abso freaking Protect
0: your home court. Protect your home court. Go 6-3 and three or 7-2 and two in Provo. I
1: know Dave mentioned, like, 8-1 and one at home. I was like, hey, that's a little ambitious oh, yeah. for me. But, like, it's not out of the question that BYU could do that.
0: Mark Pope said yesterday to Jim Rome, losing streaks in this league are a thing. He knows. Yeah, He's, he's fully anticipating that BYU game. at yeah. some point – We'll probably have a losing streak of some sort, but that's just part of the deal here.
1: Just make it two and not three. Try and avoid the three. Yeah. yeah. If you go sure. on the Sunflower Road Trip and you lose to Kansas State and Kansas, not a huge deal. You Come just home and re- win. you got to rebound after that. Yeah. Our question of the
0: day. You heard ESPN's BPI numbers. They're wild. They give BYU the second best chance to win the Big 12. Where do you what? expect BYU to finish in wow. the conference? Bradley Spindle on Instagram says top five. Okay, he continues. BYU has potential to be number one, but this is an elite conference where fifth would still be a respectable finish. Fifth would be an elite finish.
1: I'm not, yeah, fifth would be yeah, elite. Yeah, I even admit use the e word on that. If if, if BYU, um, I'm not worried about Baylor and, and uh, or Kansas and Houston per se. BYU is ranked above Baylor right now, but Baylor to me is kind of in that upper. Tier, right Iowa in the top State,
0: three. TCU, Kansas State. It's the
1: top three. It's everybody else. Can you pick off a couple of those? If you get one of the Kansas-Baylor-Houston games Kay. total, I'm happy with that. I don't need like a winning record in those. I need you to, as you mentioned, Kansas State, Texas, TCU, Iowa State. Those, those are the teams where okay, you you got to play well against those yeah. and kind of go five hundred. And then you got to you got to clean house with the Oklahoma State's, UCF's, and West Virginians. A top five finish would would at worst require BYU to have a winning record, like ten and eight. If you want BYU to finish
0: in the top five, you're going to have to have yes. at least a ten and eight mark. No question. Eric Evanson twenty two on X. <laughs> Maybe. All the rankings seem like paper tigers. Mm. I can't truly trust that the All team, the rankings
1: for BYU, like metrics, you say. I can't
0: truly trust that the team will be as good as Ken Palm says they can be.
1: Well, Surely. Well, no one's thinking of BYU as one of the top five teams in the country. Just they, the metrics say they are. The voters think they're a top 12 team. <laughs> well, there's a difference. There's yeah, a difference. 100%. There, there's a difference.
0: 100%. Yeah. Eric continues. Surely BYU has improved from last year, but coming in yeah. and contending right away for a Big 12 championship year one seems like a fairy tale.
1: No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced they will. Contend for a Big 12 championship quite yet. I need to see half the Big 12 play to really know. No, you and I
0: are settling in closer to 500 record.
1: Yeah. Yes. Like middle of the pack ish, like five to eight range is where BYU is. Still great. Yes, because it's more important to get a four, five, or six seed in the NCAA tournament than it is anything else. (laughs) Standings, record in the league, like all that contributes, certainly. I don't care about the standings. Because there may just be a bunch of great teams. yeah. And if they all beat each other up and whatever, it's all about quad one and two wins and avoiding quad three and four losses, which BYU just won't have opportunities to do so. And I love it. <laughs> which is, which is really nice. I love it. The first test for BYU and Big 12 play is Saturday against Cincinnati. Pre-game on BYU TV app. Not BYU TV because guess what's on that? Men's volleyball. volleyball. Let's go. And BYU Radio. Saturday night. We got you.
0: Up next, CBS Sports' John Rothstein as promised on what he likes from BYU so far this season and if he thinks the Cougars' success will carry over into Big 12 play. Is he on the tourney train? Choo-choo! This is BYU Sports Nation.
1: What's that tourney hat,
2: dude? BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968.
0: Hit the now. Beautiful pass. Live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Yes, this is BYU Sports Nation in the new year of 2024. And joining us now to help BYU basketball tip off Big 12 play on the men's side is John Rothstein of CBS Sports, elite college basketball analyst. John, welcome to BYU Sports Nation.
2: Guys, great to be with you. Happy New
0: Year. I think we're all trying to figure out just how good this BYU basketball team really is. And if I can offer some insight into the collective BYU fan base, I think they're concerned that maybe BYU is a paper tiger. But, John, they've been so good in all of these metrics. What do you think of the Cougars and their 12-1 non-conference start and how they match up against the Big 12?
2: Well, BYU right now is in position to be in position. Now, what does that mean? BYU has done the necessary work during the non-conference portion of the schedule to put itself in position to make the 2024 NCAA tournament. Now, a big hope for that, is going to depend on how BYU plays at home in Provo at the Marriott Center, which you guys know better than I do, is one of the great home court advantages of college basketball. But if BYU can be a dominant home team, it has done enough early on to hear its name called on Selection Sunday.
1: What's sustainable, in your opinion, about what BYU has done so far that could translate into Big 12 play, despite it being significantly tougher?
2: Tremendous balance. Seven players on this roster average between 9.1 points per game and 16 points per game. And the guy who leads BYU in scoring, Jackson Robinson, comes off the bench in a reserve role. So that type of balance is really difficult to prepare for. But we are looking right now at a new chapter of BYU basketball. You know, I still believe this and I will say this, you know, ad nauseum. I think that the BYU team, in 2020 that had T.J. Hawes, Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson was good enough to go to a Final Four. And I remember late in that year, prior to COVID shutting everything down, BYU had an incredible win against Gonzaga at home. Every single game, that the Cougars are going to play from now until Selection Sunday in Provo. We'll have that type of an atmosphere. That is the best way to kind of give fans in Provo a sample of what's to come over the next two months. Let's go.
1: I was having a good day until I thought about the 2020-21 team. (laughs) A little tears is going to come out of my uh, face here.
0: John Rothstein is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's play the hypothetical game, John. I'm looking at Iowa State last year, who was a good basketball team. They finished 500 in Big 12 play in a loaded Big 12 conference. They were a six seed. Is it safe to say or fair to say that let, BYU goes 9-9 nine and nine in Big 12 play, couple that with what they've done in the non-conference? Would that be good enough to get BYU, let's say, a five or a six seed?
2: Well, guys, I think you have to look at also the fact that West Virginia was sub-500 last year in Big 12 regular season conference games and was in an 8-9 game against Maryland in the NCAA tournament. I mean, we have to remember and we have to remind ourselves of this, and I think this is important for the fan base of BYU, your conference record has no bearing on whether or not you are going to make the NCAA tournament. The overall body of work is what matters most to the NCAA tournament selection committee, and that's why BYU's performance, beating San Diego State, winning neutral site games against Power Conference opponents in Las Vegas over Thanksgiving, that is what put the Cougars in position to be in position. But guys, you know as well as I do, this is only January.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've got time. We haven't even seen the Big
2: 12 play quite
1: yet. We're excited about the Cincinnati game on Saturday. Cincinnati comes in yeah. as a team that has played well in non-conference, 11-2, and two, but doesn't have a quad one or two win. What do you think of that matchup for these two in their first Big 12 games ever?
2: You know, Cincinnati has only played so many games of significance this season. Think about this, guys. The only time that Cincinnati played a game during the non-conference portion of the schedule outside of the city of Cincinnati. It was a road game at Howard. Think about the games that Cincinnati played against bigger opponents during the non-conference portion of its schedule. It played Dayton in downtown Cincinnati, lost that game. It went to Xavier across town in Cincinnati, lost that game. So this is the first time that Cincinnati is going on a legitimate road trip to a power conference opponent. They obviously went to Howard, won the game in overtime, but we're also going to find a lot about Cincinnati out a lot about Cincinnati coming up on Saturday night in Provo. But I'll just tell you this, if you're a BYU fan right now and you're anxious and you're excited because you don't know what the future is going to look like over the next two months, you are better being in a position like BYU has today where you're going to have a slew of quad one and two opportunities in front of you versus a team like Gonzaga and the position that they're in. And, you know, every Friday I do a bracket breakdown where I forecast the 68 teams that would be in the NCAA tournament that day. I was just going over my numbers for tomorrow as I prepare to write tomorrow's bracket. And how about this, guys? Gonzaga's next opportunity for a quad one win will be February 10th oh, man. when he plays at Kentucky. I mean, that is what we're looking at right now for a team that has not missed the NCAA tournament since 1998. So while the road ahead is arduous for BYU, you are better being – in this situation, in a power conference, than in a league like the WCC, which I don't want to take anything away from, has been a tremendous conference over the past couple of years. But given the fact that Gonzaga doesn't have a quad one win, given the fact that St. Mary's has been a disappointment, you're much better off being where BYU is than those other t- two teams that it was competing with for so many years atop the WCC. CBS <clears throat> sports
0: college basketball analyst John Rossine is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, John. What's the realistic best-case scenario and worst-case scenario that you think BYU has specific to the Big 12? Like, where, where would you put that window or maybe that fluctuation possibility for BYU?
2: Guys, I made myself a promise a long time ago that I'm never going to speculate on speculation. This is what I can tell you. When we have viewed BYU this year against elite competition based on who it's scheduled... It's done very, very well. It won the two games in Las Vegas. It lost a close game against Utah. It beat San Diego State. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If BYU can be a dominant home team and win the majority of its home games, BYU will be in the 2024 NCAA tournament. And that's just a fact of life.
1: Ali Khalifa is leading the nation in assist-to-turnover ratio, and leading is probably an understatement. He is 14-to-1. Have you seen anything like that before, let alone from a big man?
2: No, I have seen, obviously, different programs through my 20 years in covering college basketball at the national level have different high-post options that really facilitated their offense. I remember Rick Pitino had a team at Louisville in 2008, lost to Tyler Hansborough in North Carolina in the Elite Eight. But David Padgett, was like a point center for them at the high post. But David Padgett did not have this type of assist-to-turnover ratio. (laughs) And again, it goes back to making the right evaluations in the transfer portal. Mark's Pope saw something in Ali Khalifa that he thought would translate BYU's offense and now with backdoor options with dribble handoffs this guy in about two weeks is going to be on the vernacular of pretty much everybody who is a college basketball junkie because of the impact he has on the game without demanding shots you can't understand Ali Khalifa's obviously impact just by looking at his offensive numbers
0: John you mentioned BYU's balance what's the most impressive aspect of the Cougars game aside from balance when you watch them play this season
2: Well, you know, I think you have to look at college basketball today, and I think we have to understand, and the COVID year has had a big role in this, that you are not going to win at a high level with a large volume of freshmen. I mean, guys, look at UCLA right now. Mick Cronin has been one of the best coaches in college basketball for a long, long time. He's been to 12 straight NCAA tournaments, went to the Final Four a couple years ago. But UCLA is seven freshmen. The thing that really gives me great optimism about BYU, even though it's stepping up a weight class in the Big 12, is that when I break down the core nucleus of this roster, the only guys who are not junior and seniors that are playing a lot of minutes are Dallin Hall and Richie Saunders.
0: They have certainly, and we heard this from Bill Self, maybe BYU is the hidden giant here because they've got so much experience. So there's a lot to that. Now, remind BYU fans where they can find more of your work because uh, they're going to want more after this interview, John. (laughs)
2: Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John, J-O-N. I will obviously be on all season on both CBS Sports Network and CBS Sports. I'm also the host of the College Hoops Today podcast, the only college basketball podcast that comes to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. I also am the author of The Breakfast Buffet, a weekly, excuse me, a daily column that gives you a table setting on everything that's going on in college basketball. That's at net, And also, I'll also be creating content all season long for fan duel as we get set to, again, have another tremendous run as we get set for the NCAA tournament coming up here in 2024.
0: Outstanding stuff. And hopefully you make it to the Marriott Center at some point this season, yeah?
2: We will see, guys. You know me. I'm like Stallone and Rambo, too. I'm day by day.
0: <laughs> Great stuff. John, thanks for the time, man. Thanks, Joe. All
2: right, guys. We sleep in May.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yes, we do. Yes, we, we sleep in May. We,
1: we know that. That's when uh, baseball <laughs> softball season ends. It's, it's true. Men's volleyball. We, we feel that to yes. the core. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Hey, check out BYU basketball with Mark Pope tonight. Noel Waterman is the player guest. 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Get free tickets to the show on BYUSN.com.
0: BYU men's volleyball opens up their season tomorrow against Ball State. Hey. Where are they picked in the preseason poll And what are our expectations for the Cougars as they look to rise again to that elite level? This is BYU Sports Nation.
2: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow
1: BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We sleep in May, in the words of John Rothstein. Welcome back to Studio B. I
0: am Spencer, he is Jerry. We have, we have children. We haven't <laughs> been sleeping for years.
2: Yeah,
1: we sleep never. Yeah. <laughs> Let's roll out today's headlines. Number 12, men's basketball. Two days away from the Big 12 opener against Cincinnati. BYU number two in the net, number four in Ken Palm. Cincinnati number 37 in the net. Number 40 in Ken Palm. Pre-game coverage for Saturday's game begins at 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app and BYU Radio.
0: BYU women's basketball lost their Big 12 home opener 75-63 to Oklahoma, the defending co-champions. Three years in a row, night.
1: Spence. Sooners never trailed
0: in the game. They're 8-1 all-time against BYU now. Mm. Well, we'll take the football record. Yes. The Sooners held BYU to a season-low 29% shooting from the field. BYU was led by Lauren Gustin's. 13th double-double of the season. She had 15 points and 20 rebounds. Mm. BYU falls to 10-5 on the season, 0-2 in Big 12 playoff. Next, a tough Iowa State team in Pro Bowl on Saturday at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain ESPN+. plus Big 12 now.
1: Niners linebacker Fred Warner and Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua are both headed to the Pro Bowl. Amazing. Warner has helped lead the Niners to the NFC Best 12-4 record. Nakua helped the Rams secure a playoff spot, 101 receptions. 1,445 yards, five touchdowns this season. Incredible. Also, Zach Wilson rolled out for the Jets week 18. Gamacy is still in concussion protocol. And Nick Mullins gets to start over Jaron Hall for the Vikings.
0: Has what Puka Nakua has done in the NFL personified what BYU basketball as a team is doing <laughs> in their own realm? It kind of feels like
1: that, right? In what way?
0: Just exceeding expectations. Oh, like yeah. Massively Generally surprising and shocking. Yes. yes. Yes, For sure. BYU men's volleyball. Ninth hey. in the preseason ABCA poll, so a top 10 team to begin. It's expanded to the top 20. Now it's not just 15 teams, it's the top 20. Right? Cougars open the season against 11th-ranked Ball State Friday and Saturday, both live on BYU TV. This hey, is a our game.
1: sport. Hey, a game on BYU TV. This is our That's sport. Cool.
0: Tion Taylor is a second-team All-American on off-the-blocks preseason All-America teams. He was second in the nation last year with 1.32 blocks per game per set, I should say.
1: Big 12 preseason poll is out for men and women's tennis. Uh, The men's team picked eighth out of eight. So they're going to exceed expectations as well. Women's team, ninth out of 14. The women's team currently in Hawaii at the moment, competing in the Weinman Foundation Invitation.
0: BYU men's and women's swim and dive competing at the FIU Sprint invite yesterday in Miami, Florida. With The men's team winning the event. The women's team finishes second. The men's team, led by Diego Camacho Salgado, taking first or second in all eight of his events. That's domination. Great name. The women's team, led by Tahis Ibanez, Hallie Williams and Annie Richner, who
1: each won their sprint event. Annie Richner is the granddaughter of Dave Rose. Brock Richner. Brock Richner's sister, right? Or no, wait. Brock R- Richner's daughter. His do- it's his daughter?
0: Mm-hmm. It's his daughter? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. We're old. Yep. <laughs> <It is. Yeah. laughs> Where we're, the rich nerd name continues on in BYU athletics. You got
1: the, Avery Pope and you know Dave Rose. You got coaches, kids, and grandkids in it. That's awesome, wild. Man. Those yeah. are today's
0: headlines. Now some huh. opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk,
1: your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Will you watch the Pro Bowl now that uh, Puka and Fred are in it?
0: Yes, I will watch the skills competitions because Puka has a huge personality. He's so fun. I will be watching the Pro Bowl. You? I will not, but i watch the highlights on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll probably
0: watch it on demand. I'm not going to watch it live, but I'll watch it on demand for sure. You
1: demand it and you get
0: it. The Rams announcing they are starting Carson Wentz, speaking of Puka Nakua, for the regular season finale. Puka, mind you, needs four catches and 29 yards to break the NFL rookie receptions and receiving yards records. Are you concerned at all about Puka getting to those marks with a different starting quarterback in play?
1: No, and thank goodness for the extra game, right? Otherwise, he doesn't set these records. But he's going to do it. The Rams are aware of it. They're going to get him the ball and get him these. You have both to. Both these records. I. You
0: have to. I'd be
1: shocked if this doesn't happen.
0: Target him 10 times or 12 times if it takes that to get him these records. Hopefully it
1: only takes six, but yeah. With Zach Wilson ruled out in concussion protocol, have we seen the last of Zach in the Jets here? Unless Aaron Rodgers puts down the hammer, yes. Well, Aaron's saying a lot of crazy stuff.
0: Indeed, he is. (laughs) Which is true to form, right? I think, unfortunately, yes, this is the last time. Men's volleyball ranked number nine in the preseason AVCA poll. What are your expectations for Sean Olmstead's team this season?
1: UCLA is the defending national champs. They return almost everybody. They're probably going to win the MPSF and probably the NCAA title because if you go back like five sets of years, meaning ten, every team that has won has won two in a row the last like four or five. So UCLA is guaranteed to win the national title this year. <laughs> I, I predict that BYU will again take second in the league, Spencer. Okay. Yes. They return five of the seven starters. You lost the Setter and the Libero. You return all the pin hitters and middle blockers. I'm excited about this BYU team.
0: I think they can make the tournament, Jerem, as the second-place team in the conference.
1: <sighs> they were first out last year. They're only two at large. So they got to be in a good spot. Last year, GCU got the bid over BYU. Yeah. yeah. Good luck to the Cougars. It begins against Ball State Friday and Saturday. Women's basketball seeks its first Big 12 win Saturday against Iowa State. You can watch that at 6 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Plus. Listen on BYU Ready. Up next, the leader up front for
0: BYU football. In my opinion, the most underappreciated player on the team. Hey. Connor Pay is in studio to discuss his decision to come back for one more and what he expects from his new offensive line coach. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jeremy Jordan, and we welcome in the longtime BYU football center. One of the leaders of the offensive line, the leader of the offensive line, he is Connor Pay. Connor, welcome back to BYU oh, Connor, yes. yeah,
3: thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be back. It's, it's good. To,
1: it's good to have you back. We didn't know if
0: we'd yeah. get you back,
3: uh, but you announced that you're going
1: to return for another year. I know you've said this out there, but not on our program. What went into that decision, and was
3: it hard? It was hard. I think because for most of 2023, I had anticipated that being my final season, just because of where I was at. In terms of NFL prospects at the end of 2022 going into 2023, um, my my stock was pretty high. And uh, um, obviously, we didn't have the season that we wanted to have. And, you know, when you don't win games, everybody's draft stock goes down, everybody. Um, And so and we didn't play as well as we should have up front. And so you know, when my stock started to go down, that's when I kind of had to, you know, start like, okay, what do I want to do? Do I, would it be wise to come back for my senior season or should I still go? Um, and you know, that was, that was a hard decision to make, but, um, you know, as we got closer to the end of the season, I didn't think much about it while we were still playing just because, you know, just trying to win, um, and get to a bowl game. But, um, you know, once the season ended and the and the coaching change happened, that's when I was kind of like, okay, now I really need to evaluate what I, what I want to do. Do I want to return to BYU? Do I want to go? Um, and even for a time, transferring was on the table as well. Um, and you know, at the at the end of the day, with the coaching change, and you know, I'm a huge fan of Coach Woods. Awesome. And so after meeting with him a couple times and. You know, I, I bleed blue through and through and so I did not I did not want to transfer. Uh that would have been a last resort for me if things had not gone the way they were supposed to, but um, you know, the pieces got put in place and I'm I'm happy with where things are at and you know, I, I love Kalani and I love Arod and uh um and I felt like the best decision for me. Uh, was to return to BYU for my senior year and hopefully, you know, help out a little bit.
0: <laughs> at one point, I was looking at maybe the idea of only Waylon Lapuaho coming back because yeah. you could have gone, Braden Kime could, could have gone, Kingsley's obviously out the NFL draft, and then you lose Paul Miley, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, BYU's offensive
3: line is, <laughs> is in trouble. Gone. yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. But now, Braden's back. You're back. Waylon's back. Uh, Caleb Etienne had his struggles for sure, but you've got a new offensive line coach yeah. to help him. So how much difference can a guy like TJ Woods make for BYU's offensive line?
3: Huge, huge, I think. And just, you know, just in being around him these last couple of weeks and actually, you know, not only sitting down and meeting with him, but then also doing field work with him because that's something I wanted to do to see what that was like. And just how detailed and how intense he is with the coaching, I think that's going to make a world of difference for everybody in the group. Just uh, he's definitely he's definitely accountability driven. Yes, and yes, thank you. Yeah, yes, so that's that's been screaming we, for this. That's what we've needed. Yeah. Trust me, I've been screaming for it too. <laughs> but um, you know, and I think just his details and technique too, and just. Um, you know, someone who's going to push that day in and day out for the entire offensive line, uh, I think is going to be huge for everybody in the room, including myself. So,
1: You've been outspoken about that particular element of, uh, you know, last year missing and whatnot. What else was sort of uh, the difference between winning and losing and uh, the ability to run the ball and so forth and so on from last year?
3: Um, I think, you know, there's there's a million things that go into winning and losing, obviously, but... In, in terms of running the ball, you know, I think... What's
1: controllable from your end, yeah, of course.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, and uh, I think for us, you know, they, they made some changes in in scheme those last couple weeks. Um, and having a quarterback that could run a little bit brings a different element, but still, even with that, a lot of what we were accomplishing was between the tackles. And, mm. um, and I think uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, just adjusting the scheme to where it's like you don't have to worry about anything else except destroying the guy in front of you, getting to the second level, getting a little more downhill uh, with some of the schemes. And, you know, I think those were wise adjustments. And then obviously having Aiden back fully healthy helped a lot with the downhill runs and then having LJ and Dion to kind of bring a different dynamic when they're back there. So I think, you know, at the end of the season, it all kind of just came together a little bit the way we had hoped and the way it was looking in fall camp, um, and the way we were hoping it could have been the entire season. So,
0: What kind of benefit or difference will having gone through a Power 5 schedule, game 1 to 12 for the first time, have on helping BYU get to where you want the team to be next year?
3: I think it will be huge, especially for you know, the younger players, because um, now most of this team uh, wasn't on the team in 2020, 2021. When we you know in twenty twenty two when we were playing seven or eight power five games in the season um, and and so just kind of the gauntlet of the schedule a little bit, just week in week out um, that that was new to, to almost everybody uh, and so I think having experienced that, knowing what it's going to take every single week. Um, Will make a world of difference for the team. Just even even if it's just from a mindset perspective, um, because you, you you preach things and you preach things and you preach things, but a lot of times it takes a little bit of real experience for it to sure. kind of set in a little bit. So.
1: Reminds me of going on a mission. It's like you can talk about what it's going to be like, exactly. but you have to actually go out you don't there. Don't really know and not exactly. know how to speak that language. Also,
0: raising children.
1: <laughs> yeah, all of these things, right?
3: Um, going to the. Big I don't know show. anything about that one. <laughs> yeah, eventually. I am yeah. a mission prep teacher, and there, so it's time. Always trying to tell. You know the prospective missionaries that I'm teaching about these things, and then it's funny to get their emails like six months in, like, "Oh, this makes so much sense what you were saying now." And I'm like, "If you idiots would have just me <laughs> in the first place." But in their defense, you kind of have to experience a lot of those things. Connor, have you watched the Safety Zone? Do you yes. know? I, have, I was going to say, aren't you too zone. old? No, <laughs> I had the the Safety Zone videos came out while I was serving. I'm so sorry. Um, and so I got to spend, I got to spend four or five mornings looking at your guys' faces when I should have been proselyting. Now you know, so. what, now you know what the audience's problem is yes. now. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, those the, were great. Those were the best entertainment I had as a missionary.
1: That, and that's saying a lot. Uh, I, know, I thought Lilo and Stitch was a legit good movie when I watched on my mission because I mission <laughs> Anyway, I was like, wait, this is, this is, is fun, Rings but it's not. Le- Star Wars well, I did. And- well, no, no, no. Oh, I, whoa, I watched Return of the King on my mission. Sanctioned. <laughs> Sanctioned. Two of the three were sanctioned. I'll just say that. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean.
3: Another day. I'll be honest. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how about, I feel about that. We're not talking about
1: mission <laughs> sins here. Or are we? All <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, the, yeah, on signing day, not a lot of offensive guys signed. Um, does that give confidence to you guys knowing, hey, we feel like we've got a lot in the room. Obviously, they can go to the portal later for more guys, but it feels like there's a lot of uh, young guys who are going to get an opportunity to factor in in the O-line specifically. Sure. Tell us about that group and kind of who's behind the, the guys that played this year that could be a factor.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys. I mean, you're obviously in an ideal world, you know, you can't survive with the transfer portal. That just isn't how it's going to work. You can fill a couple gaps, but just the, the exodus we had last year and then bringing in 30 new guys, like that was – that was great to help bolster us for the first year in the Big 12, but sustained success is going to come from high school recruiting and development of younger players. Um, and that's, you know, something that's been a little bit of a struggle in the offensive line room for the last few years. And, but I think those young guys have handled it in a really, in a really uh, positive way. Um, and, you know, outside of, you know, those, those four guys who are coming back to start games, you know, you've got guys like Peter Falonico who have been developing, Trevin Osler. You know uh Jake icorn, Sam daw, Sony Maccasini, you know you have some of these guys who have been in the pipeline for a couple of years now, um, developing their bodies physically, learning the game mentally, and um, you know I think you know everybody wants to play right away, but in in most programs, especially great programs, you come in as a high school player and you learn for one, two, three seasons before you ever get a play yeah um and And honestly, that can be the best case scenario uh, a lot of times. You know, in my case where I played pretty early on, in, in a lot of ways that can be a little more challenging than, you know, having that time to develop. And so... Those guys have a few years under their belt now, and so I'm really excited to see what they can do this offseason and, you know, push for starting spots.
0: Well so. said. Amen to that. I'm all about redshirt a year, especially if you're coming off a of oh, two-year mission. Oh,
3: line two. You need a redshirt. Yeah. And have yeah.
0: a full year maybe where you just sit and learn before you even think about playing as a redshirt sophomore. I, I love all of that. Connor, it's great to have you in Studio B, man. We're so glad you're back <laughs> at BYU. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks, guys. All right. Up next on BYU Sports Nation. Where do you expect BYU men's basketball to finish in the Big 12 standings this season? Are you cool with nine and nine? Get some more of your responses after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation.
2: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
0: Welcome back to our question of the day. ESPN's basketball power index gives BYU yes, BYU. The second best chance to win the Big 12 in men's basketball. Wild, where do you expect Hang BYU to actually finish in the conference? Are you all blue goggles? Andy New Maniac on X says, Take it easy. Imagine never winning the WCC, then BYU wins the Big 12 year one. <laughs> <laughs> Two
1: laughing emojis. Oh. Data will happen, but it's a fun dream to have. It is, it is. I'm not worried about whether BYU wins the Big 12. I, in fact, if they do win one day in men's basketball, that's a bigger deal than football. <laughs> like, football, I believe one day BYU will win the Big 12. Men's basketball, I have a harder time believing that, but I'm not as concerned it's about that. It's easier I want to, to win it in football. I want to go to the tourney and win two games for just the third time in program history. That's what I want. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare <laughs> Elevator from
0: Robert Choate on Facebook who says, I say BYU goes 7-2 and two at home, 4-5 and five on the road, puts them at 11-7. and seven, and would have been tied for fourth place last year if they finished 11 right. and 7. Out of
1: 10 teams, 14, hard to know. But like, that'd be a top five finish, probably. <sighs> yeah, I, I think so. Whoa. It It's going to be what? Like, does the Big 12 winner have six losses? The regular season champ. Oh, man. Houston or Kansas, you would May- think. Maybe. That many? Is Houston so
0: good that they only lose four games? Maybe. And one of those is in football. <sighs> <sighs> Today's Rise
1: and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. And that's Fred Warner, Puka Nakua, going to the Pro Bowl. That's pretty awesome. Fred, we expected. Puka, that's awesome. It's outstanding. Well done, gentlemen. Our thanks to today's guest, CBS Sports'
0: John Rothstein and BYU Football Center, Connor Pay. Both were awesome.
1: Sorry to Dennis Pitt. I ran out of time. The conversation continues on X, I mean Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
0: For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Mitch and Marcus
1: Matthews. We'll see you back here in Studio B for a Friday edition of BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs! Beaverton, baby.